This is Radio Maria, and now we present Just Life. This program is a rebroadcast. Just Life, a program from Radio Maria England. This morning, I am delighted to invite and to have present with us two friends and colleagues. The first person that you may remember we have had on before is Sarah de Nordwall, who is a bard and who also runs her own bard school. And today she's going to be talking about us, about the exhibition that you're going to hear about in a moment that she has been involved with, and also about her company of bards. So we're really looking forward to hearing about that. And then a new guest, Fiona Campbell-Hicks, is the daughter of Margaret Campbell. And we'll hear a little bit more about Margaret Campbell later. But Fiona is an award-winning poet, photographer and travel journalist who creates glass prints of secret waters and trees. She converted to Roman Catholicism in her 20s and remains open to all Christian traditions. We'll be hearing more about her exhibition and Sarah's participation in it. And if I remember rightly, Sarah, you were also a convert to Roman Catholicism, weren't you? Well, um, I was actually baptised when I was three months old, but not brought up in the faith. So I I kind of became a practising Catholic when I was 13. So I don't know what that counts as. <laughs> sort of a late starter, maybe. <laughs> anyway, welcome to you both. Um, we're really looking forward to hearing you. And I believe, Fiona, that you're going to be starting for us this morning. Hello, yes. Uh, I am Fiona Campbell-Hicks and I'm a writer and photographer. I create portraits of lakes. Um, and yes, I'm so glad to be here, Eileen. Thank you so much for having us on. Um, it's very exciting to be talking to Radio Maria and your listeners. Hello, listeners. Hello. I started to photograph lakes uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it felt like a calling and quite a, quite a surprising one. Um, and they're, they're kind of overlooked spaces. Uh, they really speak to me. They're, they're places of real peace and poetry, uh, which was something that I really needed at the time. And they've got this expansive quality to them, this sense of abundance. There's something about water that's so life-giving and lakes attract a rich variety of wildlife to feed. They're vital resources that are mostly forgotten, except, you know, if you're a fisherman or something. Um, and when you walk by the side of a lake, you realise that they have this curious atmosphere, this sort of strange calm. And in a way, I think they're a place of truth, a place of peace. Um, and I'm sure you're all familiar with that verse in the Bible, the Lord is my shepherd, he leads me the quiet waters by. Um, and extraordinarily, Sarah has chosen that very piece of music for later on, so we've got that to look forward to. Without knowing, um, she's going to tell us about it. Without knowing, yes. Hallelujah. Um, so, 
you could argue that there's a lake at the heart of the gospel. Um, in the Bible, Lake Galilee is the first place where the tribes turned away from God to idolatry. And it's the first place that Jesus starts to perform his miracles. Um, you're all familiar with the storm, the calming of the storm, the walking on water, all these amazing miracles that happen around a lake. And actually, I did a bit of research into the Sea of Galilee when I was preparing for this interview and found out some really cool things. It's um, the Sea of Galilee, along with the Dead Sea, is the lowest point on Earth, the deepest fissure, the deepest crack in the Earth's crust. So Jesus, when he comes down to Earth, he comes to the lowest point on Earth, almost you know, the closest place to hell. Um, and I thought that was just really cool. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd mention that while I was here. Um, and it's it, the Sea of Galilee is this vast freshwater lake. It's shaped like a harp. Um, and it, it also, and this, I'm kind of digressing here, it also attracted a lot of sick people to its fresh water. So it was a brilliant place for Jesus to heal people. Um, and it forms a powerful setting for his ministry. Um, there are lots of obviously lots of miracles, but I think there's real poetry to a lake. It's 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 a kind of heavenly image mirroring the sky. Um, and it's got this deep, dark zone where no light penetrates. One of the definitions of a lake is that it has what's called an aphotic zone, which is a completely lifeless zone at the bottom. So it has to be deep enough that the lake that the water that the light can't actually reach the bottom. And so it, it's enormously poetic um, and, you know, on the Did very basic level. If it was, if it was, if it didn't have that dark zone, it would be called a pond? <laughs> yes, I think it would. Yes, I think a, a lake without an aphotic zone or aphotic is, is actually a pond. Um, so there we go. And and it, you know, it can be this beautiful, clean place of peace or sadly, often when I get to these lakes, they're actually, you know, filthy and, and full of sewage. Um, so, so there's a real challenge there um, of how, you know, of, of they, they're kind of, um, they're almost like litmus tests of how our nation is. Um, and I think um, Sarah pointed out to me, water can represent the subconscious and the lakes can pull up many monsters from the deep that need to be brought into the light, into salvation. Um, and it can be a very feminine image. It, the lake, the water hugs the shore, it gives way, it gently but firmly erodes over time. And all these are useful qualities in peacemaking. So it, it's very much a symbol mm. of peace. Mm. Um, and photography lakes has been really a form of therapy for me. Um, I'm going to talk later about um, in Northern Ireland and and how um, I was caught up in the troubles. I was actually caught up in a bomb at the age of three. And I um, have had, I've struggled with PTSD and, and bipolar disorder all my life. Um, and I actually burnt out at the age of 16 and was hospitalized. Um, and so my life's been a long battle to find balance in work and not to overwork. Mm. Um, and when I go to a lake, it's it's an incredibly peaceful experience. I think I think God gave me that work, part, probably as he gives all of us, our work is mostly 
for our own healing. Um, so it's been it's been an incredible journey photographing these lakes. Um, and if you want to photograph a lake, the best time to go is really early in the morning or late in the evening when the light becomes golden. It gives an amazing sense of calm. And I, when I go, I walk around for a while. I mean, sometimes for hours, actually, but sometimes it's just for moments. And I look for the right vantage point. Um, sometimes it's incredibly easy and it's almost as if Jesus is there going to stand here, photograph that mm. and bang, it's mm. done. Um, and other times it's about sitting there for a couple of hours, waiting for the perfect light. Um, and it's incredibly meditative. So when I photographed Lake Bolsena in Italy, I was with some Italian friends who literally drove me to this lake at sunset all in a great hurry and they uh stopped the car and i jumped out and i was like oh what am i photographing where why am i here what's going on and uh um and then there was this little girl just by the lake and she was playing with a stick and she was sort of making patterns in the water and i just took this picture there was a lovely sunset behind with this beautiful italian tuscan town and actually that's been one of the sort of star pieces of the show that's the one that everyone comes in and they say i love this i love this piece i love this mm. this photograph so um which which reminds me i forgot to mention that i'm having an exhibition and i've got an <laughs> exhibition at the moment at farm street in mayfair uh of which you must all come along to and it's um it's in the corridor at in the foyer, rather, the corridor sounds terrible, but it is basically a very beautiful corridor. Um, it's stunning. Mount Street. <laughs> stunning, stunning lighting. Um, at 114 Mount Street, which is in Mayfair, and it's the most glorious sort of trip. If you're, if you're coming, you sort of walk through an olive grove, past all the designer shops of Mount Street, <laughs> and then you get to this beautiful 18th century house, and in you go. And it's just there, so... Uh, so, yes, you can see all these pictures that I've been photographing. Fiona, what are the dates of the exhibition? When does it run until? Uh, it runs been... until, it's on now, and it runs until the 26th of June. And, uh, yeah, so you can just show up any time, um, obviously during the day. <laughs> um, but I'm usually there. If I'm not there, then reception can let you in and you can have a look, even if I'm not there. So that's great. And just to uh, say, the, the photographs are Fiona's beautifully printed them on glass in a really unusual way, and probably yes. Fiona, you're going to chat about this too. There's a wonderful uh, edition and interleaving narrative with these pictures, which includes your mother's art. But I'm sure you're going to tell the listeners about that too. Yeah. So what happened was my um, my parish priest at Farm Street, the lovely Father Dominic Robinson is an enormous supporter of art and he's had a few exhibitions at Farm Street, which I think is such a great thing because we need art and we need beautiful art. And <clears throat> Catholic artists are, you know, really struggling to really struggling to make their way. I think it's it's very, very difficult for them. Um, so that's a wonderful charism that the Jesuits at Farm Street are 
um, are doing. And so I said to him, well, we must get my mother's work on the wall. My mother, Margaret Campbell, was an amazing artist who was very much sort of sidelined by the sort of 20th century art world. And she made incredible icons of um, of Jesus and St. Francis and all sorts of other saints. And she also painted all her life. She made some amazing paintings and um, a lovely sort of panoply of creatures, a bestiary. I think this audience will know what a bestiary is. Of course, it's a collection of beasts. Mm. Um, and uh, she was very influenced by um, medieval art um, so it's a really fascinating collection and he said well yes we must do it but we must we must have your lakes as well so mm. it became this mother-daughter collaboration which was mm. really wonderful a really wonderful opportunity to honor my mother's work but also to explore um, you know we did not have an easy relationship she was a very damaged character and so it was it was a real challenge and a wonderful thing to be able to um have a space that we could share and to have our art on the walls so that was that was amazing um yeah and um my family are a mixed catholic protestant family my father was northern irish and we were very caught up in the troubles um <clears throat> We had to leave Ireland because of the troubles and because my mother knew that she wanted to formally join the Catholic Church and she couldn't do that in Protestant Ulster. Um, and before we left, we were caught up in a bomb in 1976, which targeted the family linen mill uh, and sadly left me um, with um, PTSD, basically. Um, and so I couldn't create at all until I was in my 20s. Um, and it was a very long healing journey uh, that God took me on. So um, it does feel like quite a, a journey that I've been on to be able to get this exhibition on the walls and to mm. be able to explore themes of <clears throat> the troubles and, and of peace. And I think the lakes are really the antithesis of what I went through in the troubles. Um, and yeah, there's sort of a statement of uh, intent really of, um, coming together of um, different um, different people, uh, if that makes any sense at all. Um, I think one of the things that was really interesting, you said, Fiona, was like when you had this wonderful conversation with Father Dominic and it seemed like this great conversation to have with your mother. I don't know when she passed away, actually, was it? 2017, yes. Right. So it was actually a really brave thing for you to do, I think. To bring oh, that's up. very kind. It, well, it is. Um, I think all artists actually are brave. They're sharing their hearts. They're making themselves vulnerable. They're coming out of hiding in a way, and they're helping other people to do the same. And I think that's partly why, because you're such a beautiful poet as well, I suggested that you use your poetry as well to tell your story, um, which you've done beautifully into interweaved you know, between the icons, the bestiary and the lakes. And that's mm. given an opportunity and opened a space for grace for others to make mm. a journey uh, through their own hearts. Um, and yes. it's been really brave. And Yeah, and I mean, that was... Not without its challenges, has it? Because you're inviting <laughs> your, your journey. <laughs> Well, it's been it's been amazing, and and um, Sarah has been a huge 
um, inspiration in encouraging me to put my poetry in the exhibition, which uh, which I was quite nervous about doing. Um, but you know, lakes are places of great poetry, so it did seem fitting to do so. Uh, but thank goodness, Sarah, that you encouraged me to do that. Um, and I think the poetry, if you like, speaks to the sort of dark depths of the lake. Uh, so I was going to read you, if you're up for it, dear listeners, a couple of poems. Actually, it's three Wonderful. Poems. Can we cope with this? But don't worry, they're very short. Um, and so the first one that I'm going to read you is just on the theme of Northern Ireland. And it just brings out a little bit of what I was saying about uh, Northern Ireland and the troubles and workaholism. So this is called the linen mill. Mm. Like a tight coil, the mill sat in what was once a valley of saints and emerald hills. No wonder demons targeted it. It was a weathered brick building, relentlessly weaving one thread to bind them all. It looms large and misty in my mind. The foreman tight gathered, harrying time without pause. The mill was work. It was intense, driving and straining, white-knuckling, unresting, no room for error. Failure was doomed. One colour per week in the dying pool. It seemed overshadowed, a male place, a violent place. Fear billowed in its concrete compound. Everyone ruled by its machine tempo. I heard later about the sectarianism. The new recruits handed bullets and a laughing young man gunned down on the road for mixing with the other side. But what I remember, aged three, was that a device clicked and exploded, unleashing nothing, unleashing nothingness, destroying the heart of the mill. A room where the flax was waiting to be spun into thread. I saw it later, cleaned out, the walls scraped bare. A room in my head forever making ripples of terror. The Lord said to me, go there again. Walk to the left of the mill, though, and there is green, green grass and recovery. And so one day I did. I went back. The mill is an art gallery now, surrounded by nature. Keep going left and you reach Loch Beg. Wow. So, and then we I, get a beautiful picture of a lake stunningly right next to it it's, yeah so it's a wonderful transition gorgeous i think i think um i mean loch Beg, there's a picture in the exhibition of loch Beg just illuminated by sunset and um uh it's it's absolutely amazing and i'm i'm just realizing you know i'm i'm slightly running out of time here so i'm just going to um read you one more poem um and that is the vision in the library. Um, and this is this is about my healing journey from that time of explosion to the um, the the time of being able to make art and peaceful art. The vision in the library. In the library, Dante on my desk like my map. I felt pulled apart by two tribes two absolute loyalties. Finally, I decided to end this feeling of being torn. I turned to the thin air towards the space and declared, enough. I am on your side, God. It sounded like a door breaking down in my head. 
as though Jesus broke through a planked-up opening, for the first time I was aware of my inner chamber. I had been shut in a small room of beige, and suddenly I could see in colour for the first time. Soft flame and gentle ruby, yellow and orange, began to float down from above, and my mind fed on them. I went back to my student room and stayed indoors for seven days, seeing heaven's blue-greens in my inner eye, feeling beloved, aware of a new interior life, a conversation. I hadn't known that God could be so beautiful. That's absolutely stunning, Fiona. And every time I hear you read, I hear a different line leap out. And I'm sure that too. I really, really hated that time. The, aware of my inner chamber and then feeling beloved and Dante on my desk like a map, which is a beautiful reference to the power and beauty of other people's art, isn't it? And how yeah, yeah. we're all in this shared journey, aren't we? With yeah. pilgrims on the road throughout time. How yeah. does it feel to read your own poem out loud, sharing it with more people? What's that experience like? Well, it's great. I mean, because, you know, I think these these poems are, um, you know, so much comes out from other people, you know, other people reading them. And it, it can it can just bring up so many different things for other people. So it's it's very it's very special. Actually, it feels like a real honor is, is the truth of it. Um, and I think, um, you know, what, what's wonderful is that I've been led on this healing path from, you know, from that sort of awful time of fear and and trauma to um, a much more colourful life. And I mm. think that is to do with um, my spiritual journey um, and, you know, in many ways, you know, very much thanks to my Catholic faith, um, that you know i've i've been able to get to a point where i could create again you know having gone from being a sort of joyous three-year-old who was painting all the time to just just stopping and not doing anything creative and then to have that rediscovered you know on a very long journey of many different twists and turns you know i'm i i suppose um you know it's it's thanks to god really and mm -hmm. Uh, I think I think God is leading me into a time of balance and mm. and a colourful, balanced life. You know, I think that's what God offers us. Um, and so, um, but I have to say one little thing, which is that um, my heart slightly hurts when I read the Northern Irish poem about the linen mill because I think I've painted the linen mill a little more darkly than it deserved. So, <laughs> so I think you know what it represented for me as a three-year-old and what it actually was. There were many good things about this very special linen mill, and and losing it was an enormous loss. Oh. Um, so you know, but at the same time, there was this Protestant work ethic, and I think it. It's probably unfair to call it Protestant, but it, it, it is a work ethic that kind of holds us in a, in a tight vice grip. Mm. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, that God doesn't want for us. God 
God's work is, his way is hard, but his work is easy. And I think... I'm yes, so sorry to idea. interrupt. I was thinking that sounded like a good point uh, about God uh, not wanting us to work in in a we, yes, not the word Protestant, but but uh, desperately working all the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I think this is probably a good time for us to play some music. And I just want to make sure that I have the right piece of music. Um, is it Hamid Bailey Psalm twenty three? Is that yes, the one you'd like to play? The it's, next one is actually the Grieg's Peer Gint. Yeah. But we could skip to the 23rd Psalm if you'd rather. But um, the reason I chose the, the Peer Gint in the morning piece um, was that uh, I was listening to this beautiful, peaceful piece of music on my parents' inherited vinyl. And I had a dream afterwards that I'd been beside this most beautiful lake. Wow. And so I think it seemed like the right piece to play I think it is with your lake. Yeah, I've got that. I've got it up for you so we can play that. (laughs) And I've got the other one for a bit later. Here we go. Thank you so much. are listening to Just Life and today we have 
Fiona Campbell-Hicks and Sarah de Nordwall joining us to speak about um, Fiona's artistic exhibition with photography and poetry and Sarah with her poetry and Bard School and community work. Sarah, we're going to hear your part now. Yes, well, thank you so much, Aileen, for inviting Fiona and I in. I was actually just remembering where Fiona and I met. It was, I think it was via Facebook, uh, but it was then at a lovely artist's retreat organised by, I think, uh, the fabulous Eve Farron and Emmett Glynn of Catholic Creators. Just to honour the work of other artists spend time and energy and their own money I can assure you facilitating the encounter of artists with artists because it really is as Fiona was saying um, a profession that requires a lot of fortitude courage and and risk-taking so thank you to Eve and uh, and Emmett and their work in creating Catholic creators Um, so yes um, I as you know, as I've been on the show before and really enjoyed sharing with you the story of how and why I became a bard um, and with a bard school. And it was interesting to see the readings this morning, um, Justin Martyr. Uh, there's a wonderful quotation about, uh, you know, I spoke before kings and, and was not condemned or something. Uh, it's, it's just, we are called to speak truth to the king without fear and to en- and encourage everybody entertain everybody from the peasant to the king it said in the eighth century (laughs) not sure how well that would go down now but you know the kings in every society change don't they who is the dominant uh voice and we have to as artists make sure that the voice that's heard is the voice of authenticity the voice that perceives beauty and healing and as catholic creators and as catholic contemplative Uh, artists, uh, whatever our genre, what we're trying to do is give voice to our journey into God, really, our pilgrimage. And that when we've done that, or we're sort of resilient enough to dare to share, um, to then be creative around creating contexts within which to share that journey. So it might be just within our family, by the fireside, by the notional fireside of the virtual world. Or it might be kind of piercing into the artistic world itself as it has chosen to set itself up, you know, galleries and theatres and so forth. They're just a construct, you know, and, and we can be creative about our formats. We can be creative about how we share. And... Um, So part of my journey is being a poet. I mean, I think my first uh, full-length poetry performance was in a church hall set up by some uh, Protestants, actually, in, in a church in... Now, where was it? Battersea, yes. And they had the passion to um, create a space where artists could be sharing their faith in an entertaining way. And I think that was back in 1990 six something like that and so I got this opportunity I was terrified to read my poems literally out of a file I think I'd met one of them at a friend's baptism and they said oh we're going to put on a show so I prick up my ears and uh, they said why don't you come and read your poems then Sarah Uh, so I did and you know it was a bit like beginner's luck I stood in front of the mics so I didn't jump around too much that helped me 
and it was just like stand-up comedy. I never knew it would come out in that kind of a way because you're always surprised by what happens in the live encounter. And interestingly enough, I was a secretary at the time. <laughs> Not the most appropriate job for me, I have to say, uh, or for my employer. But anyway, we had an entertaining time. And anyway, afterwards, the uh, somebody in the audience very generously said to me, what is your job, Sarah? I said, well, I'm a secretary. He said, how much can I give you to get you out of that job? <laughs> God bless that person. So anyway, in fact, they did, in fact, write me a check for a thousand pounds, which meant that I was then able to commence with courage the idea of maybe being a full-time artist. And it was then that I embarked on um, a trip to meet the hermits in Nova Scotia, which you can hear all about on my CD, Lipstick is a Spiritual Experience, which you can hear on bandcamp.com. Uh, but the reason I mention that is because I remembered as Fiona was talking that, of course, that journey, uh, which thoroughly encouraged me to become a bard, I'd read about bards in 1993, we've now got to 1996 when I went to see the hermits, was to stay in a wooden uh, hermitage by a lake. And it was a frozen lake at about minus <laughs> 20. And so it, that image of the frozen lake, I was realizing is, is very much like the image of one's life has become stuck, one's spiritual life or one's emotional life has been clamped up in sort of workaholism and trauma or whatever it happens to be. Don't worry, not all artists in the world are neurotics like us, but, you know, we're doing well. <laughs> and in fact, sharing the journey helps other people share it too. And the creature from the Black Lagoon emerges. But something that happened by that lake was that... Um, somebody came and knocked on my door at midnight with two pairs of ice skates on their shoulder and said, the moon is up. Now, you know, the moon is an image of femininity. It's also an image of the saints because they reflect the life and light of the sun. And we literally went down to that lake at midnight and skated under the moonlight on the lake. And that was my discovering of risk-taking, of of an, ex an exotic and enchanted beauty. And I thought, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe this is my life. I can't believe I'm allowed to do this. And so every now and then God gives us these glorious consolations, these revelations that life is glorious. And his, uh, Fiona mentioned an experience by the lake of being beloved. Or was that in the library, Fiona? Was that... When did you say? I think that was in the library. But yes, I yes. I, I experienced deep peace by the lake. Mm. And we get these beautiful experiences of I am beloved. You know, I'm not just on an an endless quest to prove myself to someone I don't know who I'm proving myself to, etc. And mm. you're like, it's okay. Um, and by this a hermitage was a, a well, and I had to break the ice in the well and draw up my water and cook my you know lunch on the iron stove and make my coffee which took about an hour and a half um to heat the coffee in a little kind of you know iron saucepan type thing uh, and just the whole visceral elemental experience speaks into those archetypal images speaks into those images in the bible you know i will draw water joyfully from the wellsprings of salvation you know my, my well was frozen and needed a big stick to go crash crash to get my water out of and i think when one tells these stories 
normally when I'm telling this kind of a story in, in a show, I don't necessarily point out any of this stuff. It just comes into the psyche and goes, hmm. And that's the joy of hearing a story. That's the joy of experiencing someone's life through imagery, through metaphor, in whatever form you want to say. So what I might do then is read, and this is interesting, this is Fiona's intuition, you see. I said, Fiona, I've got this ambition to put my poems on a wall and like do proper art that goes on a wall. I'd like to put one of my poems on the wall but I don't know which one to do. And actually, you, out of all the poems you know I've written, you went, oh, well, you just do the uh, the one about the, the well, you know, the drawing of water. <laughs> and so, boom, there it was. So we printed that one off, and I'm going to read it to you now. And it's only now, I think, yeah, that is completely appropriate. So I think that when one is a praying creative, you are open to inspirations um, that bring a deeper connection. So I think you'll get a taste here of the kind of workaholism I was being gradually uh, healed from by this experience. And the roots of workaholism are the sense that enough is not enough, that you are not enough, that you're not really beloved. Because in a monastery, they're not workaholics. They have time for prayer, time for play, time for everything. And it's enough because God is in charge. Thank God. Anyway, here's my little poem. <laughs> and then I'll link it up to Fiona's exhibition and um, the gorgeous experiences we've had of hearing the words of the members of the uh, lunch service that's provided by the Jesuits for vulnerably housed people and how they responded to the exhibition, which was just heartwarming. Okay, <clears throat> when I got back and was feeling bewildered as I re-entered London from my gorgeous hermit experience by the lake, I wrote this poem as a way to help me find the way forwards. I have opened my mind to the drawing of water. I have opened my mind to the drawing of water. I have opened my heart to the burning of wood. In the cold, I have felt all the warmth of necessity, healing a history of ought, must, and should. In the darkness of morning, I opened my soul to the happiest feeling of grasping no goal. And warmed by the fire and chilled by the well, in a passive love action fell under God's spell. But now in the city, the neon is bright, but much I encounter is spiritual night. When safe in a desert of wilderness peace, I watched while the pressured worked hard for release. Though debts and impatience may urge me to act, I'll not risk my heart in a compromise pact. Not until inner silence is stronger than din. When prestige appalls me and status wears thin, only then I'll be safely released to the world, not brandishing ego with CV unfurled. There's joy in the knowing I learnt to adore and wait for the summons. This less is much more. Wonderful. <laughs> Such a sense of peace and wonder there. Thank you. 
Yeah, it was, it's a great joy to be able to express what you feel, isn't it? And one of the things that I discover in the Bard School, and in fact, last night was the last night of our resurrection course in which um, I've set up a new series of writing courses called Write in the Light. And this one, because it's uh, Eastertide, was called Write in the Light of the Resurrection. And we had five Tuesdays in May, and the last was last night. And people seeing in community on a course how when they just write extraordinary things emerge that have their own music and yes they can learn different forms like villanelle and sonnet if they want to but the key is to dare to draw water from the wellsprings of your own heart so father dominic uh, and the jesuits were very imaginative in covid time and they whilst many other services were closing down, they set one up uh, with a lot of lovely volunteers and they provided lunches every Wednesday and Saturday and still do for those who are homeless and vulnerably housed. And I, I had the great joy uh, of being a key worker in COVID time and I was a bard, a key worker as a bard, and I, because I suggested that maybe they might like creative writing workshops and Father Dominic, of course, just went, well, of course they do. <laughs> and, so, and so we got that set up. And so now that um, Fiona's exhibition was on the walls, I thought, gosh, wouldn't this be a gorgeous exhibition with all these beautiful themes to see what... Um, the guys and gals at the uh, lunch service would like to say about it. So on one Wednesday and uh, Saturday last week, <clears throat> we, with some volunteers from the Bard School, who are called the Company of Bards, and we have been preparing ourselves during COVID time to be the sort of community-facing aspect of the Bard School. Members of the Bard School <clears throat> who really want to use their artistic talents at least some of the time to facilitate other people's creative process and we had a beautiful time we they in fact i was so touched um and i don't know if you felt this too fiona that we had a delightful private place with people drinking champagne but when we actually saw people responding to the art like it really mattered it was feeding us oh. all wasn't it gorgeous? They had, they had just, they were just gleeful. I mean, you know, this this guy said, you know, he said, I get so bored on the streets, and you know, to be allowed in and to see art for him was just such a joy. It was amazing. Mm. And, and and then to yeah, I wish I wish I could have been able to to photograph, but of course that's not appropriate. Um, but you know, the picture in in my mind of him looking at it and and the wonderful comments they make. And so, the thing is that what we did was we. Um, and by the way, if there are any other praying creatives who like writing out there, please do send me an email if you're interested in volunteering for the continuation of this uh, facilitation service. I'd love to chat to you. Sarah, um, sorry yes. to interrupt you. Would you could we put some music on and get see if we get that. any callers in at this point, and then yes, we'll carry absolutely. on hearing about this. That's Perfect. fabulous. Thank you. Are we going to put Hamad on? We uh, are. His name means, he's my housemate, and his name means one who sings for God, Hamad Bailey. And this is the 23rd Psalm that he wrote, uh, and it's in his own language, Urdu. Uh, he's from Pakistan, so thanks very much. That will be beautiful. Beautiful. And the number to call, dear listener, is 01223 375 564. That's 01223 375 564. The lines are open, so we would be delighted to hear from you <laughs> 
listening to Radio Maria and we have today Sarah Denordwall and Fiona Campbell-Hicks and they have been talking to us about their art. Um, dear caller, the line is still open. It's 01223 375 564. So you are welcome to call. Um, but I have a few questions for you both. Um, so if we, Fiona, if we start with you, I was very struck that for both of you, you both said in different ways that your art is a way of stepping away from things that are either distracting or things that are overwhelming, or even it seems things that can be bad for us if they're overdone, like like overwork, and moving towards something else. And I wondered if you could help us to understand that better and also how we can apply it in our own lives um, I've also seen I have a caller, so shall we answer that and then we'll move on to the caller? Yeah. yeah, great. Fiona, that's your question. Hello. I'm so sorry. Yes, I was I was waiting for the caller. I do apologise. Um, <laughs> so it, it's a great question and it's a really difficult one to answer because I think I, th- I think the basic line, the, the basic thing is, you know, follow where you're called. So it's different for everyone. Uh, I'm all about photographing lakes and colour. Don't know why, that's just who I am. Uh, someone else is about something else, but but ultimately it's about the path that God leads us on. And that's unique for everyone. Mm. I can tell you that my own journey back to creativity, which was quite an odd journey, started with some therapy. And I do think therapy can be very useful, although it's not the panacea that some people think it is. Um, But that was sort of what sort of opened me up. And then I was reading Dante in the library and Dante is a wonderful thing to read. Um, But uh, you, you 
you do need help reading Dante. It's not very accessible. Mm. Um, but, you know, if you get the chance, go for it. Um, and in terms of photographing lakes, just just go to the lake. Take a camera. Your iPhone is mm. perfectly good if you've got one. Any camera will do. Get yourself quiet. Sit. Listen. Tune in to the atmosphere. And then see where you're being called, I think I would say. Thanks, Fiona. Sarah, did you have anything very briefly to add to that before we go to yes, our caller? I loved, I loved Fiona's point about it depends where you're called, because I think also you mentioned stepping away, and I mentioned a bit of that, but I, I, I use it to step into. I use it to step into the heart of a dilemma. If I can't work out, having read, thought, examined, I write a poem. If I have something to say to the world, uh, I, I step into that. So I think Fiona is more called to beauty. I think I'm more called to truth. I think Father Benedict Rochelle talked about different people have different ways of primarily perceiving God or the call to God. And he mentioned it, the call to beauty, the call to unity or the call to goodness or the call to truth. And immediately I was like, truth isn't what I'm called to. <laughs> and then, Fiona, what would you say? Would you say beauty? I totally agree with that. Yes, I think, yeah. I, in fact, you, that was very helpful. <laughs> yeah, I think but that's all, absolutely right. Yeah. I find so that helpful too. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was a great book. It was about spiritual psychology, actually, the, the psychology of spirituality by a very, very experienced priest, Father Benedict Groeschel. So I, I would recommend that. Uh, and a mm. nice point about the therapy of putting this up. Lovely. Fabulous. Now we have Lynette on the line. Lynette, you're on air. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, good morning. Um, I tuned in only part way through and very excited to um, discover um, what you're talking about and and that you're you're on air talking about arts and um, creativity. I'm mm. I'm particularly interested in a phrase that I think it was Sarah used. Um, prayer for creatives. I think mm. that's what you said. Yes. And now that kind that. That that kind of gives me hope, and um, uh, I like that idea. That's a comfort, and it gives you a sense that actually there are others as well who might describe themselves like that. That's one thing. Um, but the, the reason for bringing in uh, with a question is that in the midst of a busy life, um, and any of our lives can be busy for all sorts of reasons, it can be hard to find the time and the space um, within one's own sort of remit, say if you live in a very small house or whatever it is that gets in the way, it can be hard for individuals to find the quiet and the space. I certainly find it hard um, mm -hmm. within, at home or anything. What I've found very helpful is um, when I stumble across um, a quiet morning or a quiet day where there is room for artistic expression of different sorts it doesn't have to be a poetry day necessarily it might be something where you where there's mark making or painting whatever involved but when people run those um sessions that's incredibly valuable for me and i'm sure there'll be others mm. who are the same and so the this is where the community comes into um play i think we can really help each other by mm. by creating spaces because it really yes. isn't possible for some people to create a space in which mm. to 
settle and quieten and listen mm-hmm. and and also have time and perhaps also the resources to respond. So what I didn't hear is whether the two um, speakers today are um, local to Cambridge or whereabouts you're based or whether there are sessions that you open up that well, um, people can attend. Honestly, Lynette, I could have, I could have, if I'd wanted to, or if I had it, I'd have paid you money to ask that question. Because I live in London and Walsingham, so Cambridge yes. falls right in the middle of that. And yes. I, I am devoting my life to creating such spaces. And uh-huh. And last night was the last night of um, uh, the Right in the Light uh, of the Resurrection course. And the Bard School, which you may not have heard mentioned, is mm. is basically my life's work around creating those spaces. So if oh. you want to drop me an email at bardschool at gmail.com, yeah. I can share with you all the courses that I have lined up, the spaces, the plans, the retreats. The next okay. one starts in June, some are online and some uh, so that anybody can come. Some are recorded so that you can listen when it works for you and others are live. And I'm actually, would you believe, planning to do something in Cambridge shortly. So uh, we should definitely talk and and yes, also please. to encourage everyone listening to yeah. to think themselves. Oh, what can what could I do um, to just have a few friends around and have a coffee and write or create? And I look forward to hearing that the sort of things you do because it sounds like you're a really creative person and um, and the prayerful creatives is part of your mission. And Sarah, yes, I seem to be discovering it. Go on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Can I just ask mm. Sarah? Don't you have a um, a workshop on the twenty fourth of June at Farm Street? Oh yes. Um, Thank in you for me. <laughs> um, Brilliant. I I think you've got that workshop, haven't you? So um, that will be going out in the Farm Street newsletter shortly. But obviously, tell us that email again about the Bard School email, Sarah, so that people can get that. That's really helpful. You can tell Fiona is more (laughs) clued into marketing genius than I am. (laughs) uh, Basically, yeah. So on the 24th of June, uh, feast day of St. John the Baptist, great prophet, a voice crying in the wilderness, like all of us can feel. Um, Mm. We're going to have an open workshop for people to come. It will be, Mm. you know, there will be something to pay. But um, if you write, it will be in interaction with Fiona's exhibition in the beautiful hall in Mayfair. So that's Bard School uh, at gmail.com, Bard School at gmail.com. And then if you want to be on my newsletter, uh, and Fiona's too, we can just say Sarah and Fiona or whatever. Okay. Then if you do write in, we can share with you the different events that are happening, including signposting you to other Catholic creatives who produce uh, beautiful events for you to join in with and also share things that you might be doing. So there's that thing on the 24th, but also um, I've created, unbelievably, last night, Lynette, a course called um, ti- Finding Time to Write. And yeah. yeah. And every, <laughs> okay. it's, I've got one on a Thursday morning, one mm. on a Tuesday night. It's online and mm. um, 
a lot of your questions will be answered there. I'm sensing mm. from Aileen that we're running out of time. <laughs> and I'm really glad you connected. Praise God. How can, how can you sense that? That is... Um... <laughs> I don't know. It's just telepathy, Aileen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to and enjoying the conversation and I'm also looking at the clock. And yes, we are really towards the end. Lynette, thank you so much for calling. That's okay. I've got to fly too. Thank you so much, all <laughs> okay. of you. Okay, bye bye. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fiona and Sarah, do you have one last word for us? Fiona, should I ask you first, please? Well, um, all this that we've been talking about, I've loved this conversation. It's been amazing. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, I just, one last thing, which is that the practical thing really there is an ecological concern with lakes and we do need to clean them up our lakes are filthy so if i had one thing that i would like you to do it's to eat organic because that <laughs> will and and it's getting so much cheaper to eat organic but it's so important these lakes are full of fertilizer and they're being ruined so that would be my final thought for you which I didn't manage to get into the main thing. But there we <laughs> Wonderful. go. Wonderful. Well, I'll take that as a, a metaphorical point and say that cleaning up the lakes of our heart, sitting in front of the Blessed Sacrament and listening, and then sharing what you hear with others in creative spaces. Uh, don't be scared. There's no such thing as an ordinary person. <clears throat> Artists aren't special. We just spend a bit of time feeling and thinking about these things. So, um, yeah, there's joy in the knowing I learned to adore and wait for the summons. This less is much more. That's what I would say. And really hope that people get in contact and join the creative contemplative movement. So lots of love and thanks for <laughs> inviting us. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Eileen. You're very, very welcome. Sarah Denordwall and Fiona Campbell-Hicks. Thank you for speaking with us today. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. God bless.